This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, how is everybody doing? Welcome to the Empire Rules podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. We are out of the FA Cup once again before the end of January, unfortunately. This time, but being beaten by Man United again. I think that makes it 12 defeats in 13 overall. I don't know. It's a lot of defeats against Manchester United. But last night, Matt... Reading didn't necessarily disgrace themselves. A 3-1 defeat at Old Trafford. It's probably to be expected, unfortunately. Yeah, and sadly, once you saw, you know, their starting eleven. I think Paul Ince mentioned it in the week, didn't he? That um, he kind of hoped that um, the Forest game was going to be closer because then they might have rested some of their players. And, you know, we played an all-but-full-strength United team by their two centre-backs, I think. You know, so it's... Is it, you're not going to be beating a team like that when you're mid-table in the championship. Like, let's be honest. And the fact that I think players gave him a good, or most of them gave a good account of themselves, didn't embarrass themselves, scored a goal. It was it was a fun day. It was a fun day, all in all. I think. And Hugh, as uh, Paul Lynch said, Reading aren't necessarily ready to win the FA Cup yet, but we can still dream, right? Maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, we we got to a semi final in in our lifetime, so that's something. Um, I think I think you always know when you come up against a, a Man United side, it's going to take a, a miracle, especially at Old Trafford, to to get a result there. And it's just like I'm I'm glad he went full strength because we don't have a game midweek. So, like like Matt was saying, we gave a good account of ourselves. Um, and likewise, you see that lineup come out, and I was thinking if if Forrest had given them a good game in the middle of the week, and they had to then perform on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it is that they've got the second leg, maybe he'd have put on some of the youngsters. But that's about as full strength for United side as you're going to come up against right now. So yeah, we we gave a decent showing of ourselves as much as we could. Yeah, I think I agree. gave gave what we could, and that just. Didn't happen to be enough, unfortunately, last night. Let's move to the good, the bad and the injured. I'll start off with the injured because we didn't have any last night. Um, ITV did mention the fact that we were missing key players such as Liam Moore, which was a a bit of an odd one, I think, given that he hasn't played for his full year. But um, it just shows the lack of research there from, from the media on Small Isn't it so frustrating on TV when you hear stuff like that? I mean, I, mean, it wasn't I didn't realise they said that. His, his, his pronunciation of Berkshire was not good. It was Berkshire at one point, which was not impressive considering that he went to school in, in Berkshire. But Can that guy just be banned from commentary? Was it Sam Matterface that said the Liam Moore comment? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It, no. was, it wasn't. Wasn't wasn't his finest hour of research, I, I think I'll say that. But yeah, no injuries last night, which was good. So we'll move back on to the good. Matt, what was good about yesterday? It was good. Um, oh, well, it was it. Uh, like, I think player-wise, you know, I mean, Tom Holmes, that first half was 
you know, absolutely sensational. You know, he, by all accounts, had a very poor weekend last week at Stoke to come back as strong as he did yesterday. I think was a credit to kind of, kind of him, um, and kind of shows you know how good of a defender he can be. You know, like, and I think this season he's got a good consistency going of of his levels of performance. And I think last night was just a, a, a good kind of roundup, really, of that and kind of how good he can can be. I think McIntyre as well, both of them. I think given that McIntyre obviously had Rama next to him and was quite exposed for a lot of the game, McIntyre did did himself really, really good. Ince as well. Like I think whenever whenever he got the ball, he was positive. Um so I think I, I think those three as players to kind of pick out really, you know, I think were 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 really good um last night. I think as well just the fact that um you know that we went to United and you know scored. It's always nice to go and score. So you know credit to Mbenge as well for his little cameo. We'll get onto him I'm sure later on. But um but yeah uh, I'm 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 not too too downbeat about it all. And on the other side of the coin, Hugh what what about the bad bits from, from last I, night? The bad has to be well I mean firstly it's a combination of the front two before the instant that we'll talk about in more depth of Zhao and Carol, they just offered nothing. It felt like our tactics seemed to be lump it at Carol, and sometimes he would bring it down, but then he wouldn't look for a layoff to Zhao. He wouldn't be able to lay it off to Int. So he'd give it away, and then it'd just be wave after wave of United attack. And then the big stiff idiot goes and gets himself sent off in the second half with two shocking challenges is for bad. It's like he clatters into, was it Malassia for the first one down down on the touchline? I think I'd gone to to get a pint at the, at the bar when um, he got the first yellow card. So he clatters into Malassia, fair enough. Like he, You could tell he was frustrated. At that point, Ince has got to either like, pull him over to say, look, calm it down for the next five, ten minutes, or just take him off. He's not. He hadn't done much in the game, so bring on... You've got Long and Mate on the bench. Ince has loved to kind of complain about not having options. We have four fit senior strikers now. And then five minutes later, he goes and absolutely cleans out Casemiro. I mean, back in the 80s or 90s, that would have been a great challenge. I, I can't help. I've seen a video this morning of um, Ince kind of, Ince's reaction. And you could tell he's almost trying to stifle a smile because he's probably thinking, that's one I'd have been proud of in my career. But to do that when you've just been booked, you're in the referee's mind. I just don't know what he was thinking. It's it was rush probably... of blood, isn't it? It's just yeah. it, like for, for an experienced player like that to do that was just lunacy. Hmm. And now and now he's, he's our first name on the team sheet, it seems, after Tom Ince, because it seems like Paul Ince refuses to drop Andy Carroll. I'll be really interested to see what he does because we've seen, obviously you've said in the past about where he's almost punished players for a mistake in a game, like Mbenge in the Birmingham game, Mate with the missed penalty, where they've been dropped afterwards. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, Mrs. Watford, but for Sunderland, will Ince put him straight back in or is there going to be an element of now he has to work his way back into the team because he made a stupid mistake and it's been obviously some criticism outside of the two strikers as well uh with loom not really getting rave reviews last night once mm. again and um baba Rahman, again not not getting good feedback from from last night's game both of them having a, a 
pretty poor showing. Yeah, I mean, Rahman, against Anthony, it's always going to be tough because he's got trickery. I was, um, as I said before we recorded, I'd love to have seen him just snap into him early doors because a lot of the time, Anthony would get the ball on the halfway line and he'd be allowed to just run it all the way to our, to the edge of our box. He just not, it's not Baba Rahman's game, is it? He's not going to snap No. Uh, <laughs> what is Baba Rahman's game, though? I don't get... What he offers on a pitch, he's not great defensively, he's not great offensively, he's not shocking at anything, but likewise, he doesn't seem to have an attribute he's good at. I think, unfortunately, that is kind of the squad that we've managed to assemble, is that we've managed to assemble a squad full of players who aren't terrible at things, but also aren't great at things as well. Mm. There's a number of those players within the squad, and we just kind of have, this season, unfortunately, we kind of just have to work with what we've got. Um, let's, let's move on to the to the actual game. And as you both said, Man United put out a full strength side and, and Reading's side, Matt, was, it was almost full strength really, wasn't it? I mean, I, I think the only real, maybe not even surprise, but the only real change was Zhao coming in to our first 11. And that surprised me. Yeah, it surprised, it surprised me as well um, because I think, you know, we've we've seen Zhao and Carroll up top, you know, together and it, it like we, we've said it on multiple times, it's just a combination that just doesn't really work. You know, the the only time where I think we've actually got something from from um, those two playing up top was, was Holloway when they both came on, you know, but that was more from, I think, just a bit of bulldo- bulldozery and, you know. A bit of luck, a bit of luck uh, at that piece, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly that, a bit of luck, you know, so... You know, like when when that's the case, like I can kind of see why you'd want to play Zhao against United because you know he's someone that can give you a flash shot of brilliance, you know, and everything. But you just don't play him next to Carroll because they they, they don't they're not compatible. I'll be honest, when I saw that Zhao was starting up against Lindelof and Maguire, I was like, oh, that could actually be quite exciting if Zhao gets the ball into his feet. And then I think in the first yeah. half he touched the ball about four times. So it was- yeah. Which and it, it, it then you then see all the people like I mean like again I've seen people lambast Zhao on Twitter and I I just don't see it you know what 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 is Zhao doing at the moment that that is so you know like e- easy to criticise him on every game like he's just becoming unfortunately the, the the scapegoat seemingly for Reading FC fans like whenever he's on the pitch and you know he's not scored a hat trick oh he's been dreadful. You know, and and he wasn't dreadful last night. He he had nothing, had nothing to go on. He was running about. He was he, he was trying to make stuff happen. But but you know, like like when 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 you're playing next to Carroll, and you know your your game is to have the ball into feet, play play with your back to defenders, play off with runners like left and right. You know, you, you're not going to do that with with, with Carroll next to you. You know, and so like, I I I just I don't understand. You know, th- 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 this insistence from Reading fans seeing me lambast Zhao every time. You know, because he's been setting, he's been set up to fail whenever he plays. Seemingly, Paul Ince football doesn't suit Lucas Shalvo, does it? I mean, we've no. watched nearly a year of Paul Ince football now, and there's not one game where Zhao's played that I think I've seen. Well, it's like because I mean, we can all agree, prime Zhao is that start for season under Paunovic, and we had Ijaria, Swift. Mate Elise all getting in and around Zhao and playing it into his feet, but no one does that in this team. I mean, ultimately, partly wants, because no one can pass, but yeah, ultimately, Zhao wants the ball into his feet, and we just we don't play that style of football mm. at all. We don't, you don't, you don't, you, we don't play it to like midfield, and you've got no midfield to play it forward into, so you know, you've got to play it down the wing or long to uh, play it long to Carroll or Mate and wing flick ons, you know. The, the first half, you 
I think if you were being kind, would be described as, as dominated by Man United. Um, <laughs> I think we got to half time and Reading had had one touch in the opposition box, which we'll come on to because it was a, an, a big touch in the opposition box. But mm. um, the first, I think the first real chance that Man United created was a free kick from, from Marcus Rashford. And it's a pretty decent save, although it's straight at Joe Lumnius. It's a pretty good save. And the, the block afterwards by, I think it's Tom Holmes, mm. um, was, you know, critical and is not going behind fairly. It was actually off. Loom. Loom with the block. Was it Loom? Was yeah, it, it was probably the one good block he made. Glad, <laughs> glad someone's corrected me there because I was giving <laughs> more credit to Tom Holmes. Um, but yeah, it was a good save by Joe Lumley this year. Mm. Well, definitely, because it was Rashford's got that technique, doesn't he, where he almost kind of does the. What Ronaldo used to be known for, that kind of knuckleball, I think it's called, where it swerves all over the place. So I know kind of fans will have who want to get on Lumley's back will have looked at that and said, oh, he's palmed it into a dangerous area. But with those ones, you've just got to get something behind it because when it swerves like that, it's very easy for a keeper to kind of let it go through their fingertips. And it was, it was a good save. I mean, like you said, one-way traffic, all the cliches about that first half that exist because... It was just constant United pressure and you just worried. It was, it was a matter of kind of when, not if, they were going to score because the talent they've got up front and especially Rashford. I mean, the, the free kick, I was, I was surprised Lumley did get a strong hand to it, to be honest, because I thought that's the kind of one that might have kind of gone through his fingertips and in. But especially with the form Rashford's in right now, everything he touches seems to end up in the back of the net. I think one of the biggest things about the first half that certainly I thought watching the game kind of in person was just the pace of the team as well. Like I, I watched a bit of the um, uh, analysis once I got back last night that, that the um, uh, pundits and that were saying, and, and they were saying that it was, it was still quite like the passing was quite slow from United. And I guess it kind of shows the difference between championship and Premier League. Cause I was watching that and certain moves from United um, that there was one where Bruno Fernandez, I think there was a little one too. Bruno Fernandez outside of the boot flicks it out to Anthony on the wing, and they're just at your box in a flash. And that was slow. Yeah, Roy. Keane, the, the difference in level is Roy Keane destroyed the Man United team at half time for how slow they were playing. With, yeah. And it <laughs> was, in all honesty, watching it, it, it didn't appear like they were playing with massive tempo, but they were still creating chances anyway. So it was. Certain it moments, I thought, certain moments in that first half, like it was almost like literally little, you, you could tell they were going up the gears, but like kind of as a, I guess as a championship fan watching it, it was like just seeing the difference kind of in level and that's that's getting criticism. It kind of shows the gap between how, the championship. Yeah, how, far, and, how far away we are compared to that, I guess, right? Well, I think, I think it's just the championship in general because really the only team that yeah. I've watched play with, you know, some real pace like that, like on the count or... It, with, with sweeping moves is Burnley, you know, when we went yeah. to Burnley, because they they were impressive and played some real flowing football. Um, but apart from that, you know, that like, but it's what separates separates, you know, the 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 okay players from the Premier League players, and you know, the Championship from the Premier League, right? And I think I think as well, what separates that is when you're a fan in the stadium. Sometimes, like we've all been there, where you're pointing out why, going, "Look, he's in acres of space." But when you watch the top teams like United, City, or you watch kind of some of the foreign sides like Barcelona and Madrid, they do moves that you don't even see as a fan who's got a bird's eye view of the pitch, and you just mm. kind of watch it and think, 
how on earth has the ball ended up there that quickly? So it's like yeah. they're moving quicker than our brains as fans can move. So it's like the fact that United were doing that and then Keane says at half-time they're slow, I completely agree. It just shows the massive gap between Premier yeah. League and mid-table of the Championship. I think as well, just kind of wrapping it up kind of on the difference in level as well, one of one of the big ones, and I have to say, like, I'm... I'm actually really glad I've been able to see, or to say that I've seen him live was Casemiro because in that first half there was the, the the thing that impressed me about Casemiro was sometimes the ball would go out loose on the right or so and you know Ince might be trying to go over there but before you knew it Casemiro was already there and his pace to get out to the ball reading the game knowing where to be you know that's something that 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 you cannot teach a player you know you're not going to teach a championship player or you know and an average Premier League player to know where the ball is, where to go. And kind of seeing Casemiro do that kind of in the in the first half, I thought was it was it was something something to to behold, I have to say, being being just a fan of fan of football. So it was um yeah, the the difference in level is quite astonishing. One of the differences in level, obviously Matt, is the fact that when we do watch games in the championship, we don't get VAR, which I know frustrates yes. you because uh you're I'm an advocate of it. of it. And there was a moment yesterday when I'm sure lots of Reading fans also became a fan of VAR because we had a goal for Man United for Marcus Rashford ruled out. Uh, this It kind of flicks up off of Tom Holmes' boot back to back to Veghorst, who puts it across to um, Rashford. Rashford. And Rashford kind of just nods it home from about three yards at the back post. Uh, Disregarding the fact that this is obviously ruled out VR for a second, I thought this was really weak from Hoyler just to let Rashford just vanish on him, basically, because he has no idea where he's gone. Um, There's a few parts I think you can you Lumley's can flag. Not done well to, to, to stop Lumley's it. done shockingly. I mean, and like I, I I don't understand what Lumley's doing to be honest, because he's literally just. I mean, like like like, like you're not like you're on your line. Why are you trying to get that with your hands? Save it with your feet. Kick it away. Like and we it, get away with it though here, Matt, because of VAR. We do, yeah, yeah, no, we do, and and like I mean, I think that's that that's the first interaction of VAR. I think at a Reading game, I think ever possibly. I think we had one previously. I want to say against Man United, but it didn't go in our favour. Yeah, it was um, a penalty, wasn't it, in the last cup game for Matter? I want to say, um, yeah. Yeah, we definitely had VAR in a game against Man United previously, but it yeah, didn't yeah, go in our favour. Didn't get the yeah. celebration at the end. How was the atmosphere, Matt, in the, in the way <laughs> after that? Uh, I think we all celebrated it like a goal. Um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was an experience. You know, it all, it all adds to the game, right? You know, and kind of the experience of going to United and playing them in the cup. I mean, yeah, like, uh, like uh, it's... Uh, I know the whole conversation about VAR and the championship. Some some fans want to see it, some fans don't. But I mean, you know, like if if the right right decisions get made at the end of the day, you know, their, their course was about a shoulder offside. I think by by the looks of it, you know, uh, I think we were joking in the stand about oh, it's, it's it's nice that the big teams no longer get get the get the big decisions, you know, which has always historically been, you know, but. Um, uh, yeah, like, like I mean, uh, as we've discussed many times at length off podcast, me and you, Alex, I'm an advocate of bar in the championship. I'm just, I'm just sick of that now. People, have we can't. No, no, pe- people, people, they'll they'll switch off and they don't want to hear me ranting about championship referees. So once, um, so yeah, but no, nice to see it go in our favour. 
And Hugh, the big moment really for Reading in the first half comes in injury time. We've obviously spoken about the fact that Man United really dominated that first half pretty much the entire way through. Wave after wave of United attack. Reading finally get a touch in the Man United penalty box as Hoylett steals the ball, what, seven, eight yards out? I think he steals it off of Malash's foot, basically. Mm. And this is, what, 46 minutes? And these are the moments in a game against any of the big teams away from home in the FA Cup where if you if you get these moments, you get these chances... This is the these are the this is the way that you're going to win the game, right? Mm, I mean, he's he's done what you should, I guess, in that situation, and just levered it because you've got to just try and hit the target. Don't try and be too clever. All the all the cliches. Chance seemed to come out of nowhere because I think watching it on ITV4, like a lot of Reading fans did, I feel like they were showing a replay of a United chance, and then all of a sudden we were down in the United box, and it had fallen. To Hoyler, he, he hits it well and De Gea saves with his feet and for a moment it's kind of that TV angle where the ball's in the air and you can't tell quite whether it's going to fall to... Because if it falls to a Reading player there, they've got an open goal to tap it into. I think Carolyn and Zhao were in the box um, with Hoyler there. It's just unfortunate, isn't it? Because this is, um, I guess we, we said before, that this is the kind of game where you're going to get very few chances. So the ones you do get, you've got to kind of stick them away. And it would have been interesting to see what the second half would have been like because we really would have gone 10 men behind the ball, Carroll on the goal line kind of football if we'd been 1-0 up. It's just such a shame that, yeah, I mean, again, this is the difference between Championship and Premier League because that probably doesn't get saved in the Championship. But De Gea makes a brilliant save with his leg from... From Hoylet there, a bit a bit similar to Hoylet against um, West Brom. He's not really got that much mm. um, that 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 much luck at the uh, at the back post. That was a bit different, where it kind of um, I think the cross dropped to dropped to his foot and he put it straight at the keeper. Whereas this time he's nicked it off the defender. But um, but yeah, he needs he needs to do better in these situations because again that was a crucial point in that West Brom game. You know, if he scores that, we go one 0 up away at West Brom. Different game, you know, today or yesterday. Score that one up against Man United going into half time. It's the big moments. Unfortunately, it doesn't take long after half time, Matt, for Man United's dominance yeah. to kind of take, you know, take shape. Um, and Casemiro gets the first goal on, on 55 minutes, 54 minutes. This is a, it's a nice, it's a lovely pass. I think it's Anthony with the pass it through to, through to Casemiro, two Brazilians linking up to score against us. Bit Brazilian magic. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a lovely goal, I think, from United. And I think again, it's just the the switch up in pace, really. You know, the the, the little quickness in passing. You know, I think the run as well from Casemiro that he sees, um, Loom just hesitates for a second, and the minute you hesitate against a top team, you know they're away from you. You know, but I mean, the finish from from Casemiro. I didn't think it was Casemiro because when I saw it being dinked in. I mean, Casemiro, I think, was the last player I thought would have been dinking it over over Lumley. You know, no, n- nothing, nothing for Lumley on 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 uh, on the uh, on on the goal. Um, it's just a great piece of play. The only one you can really look at is Loom. You know, for for just hesitating, but he's he... kind of just let him let him go a bit, hasn't he? He's given yeah, him, given him, him an inch of space, and Casemiro's taken full advantage of it. He he hesitates ever so slightly when 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 he sees when he sees um, Casemiro make his run he kind of starts then 
hesitates for a second before going with him, almost thinking like, oh, is, mm. can I can I track him? Is he my man? And the minute he does that, Casemiro's got, you know, a yard on him. And um, yeah, you know, he, he finishes it off. When I, I can't remember which centre-back it was, but someone got dragged away. It was either Holmes or McIntyre got dragged away by, um, by Weghorst. And the moment that that space opened up, Casemiro just went for it. And in... It's what we said about a big team. You switch off for a split second and that's it. You get punished. And unfortunately, Loom switched off because Casemiro completely got the run on him there. It was actually T-Mac. T-Mac got dragged out by Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka makes a run out. Yeah, Yeah, he makes a run out Mm. to the right. And um, yeah, it kind of leaves leaves the gap in there kind of where... Where Holmes was, I mean, it's 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 just what good teams do to you in the ball with, mm-hmm. with, with the ball right. You know, they make space. You know, and that that space is made by Wambasaka. He moves out to the right there. McIntyre follows him. You know, and at that point, Loom's got to be um, aware to the point, and that's probably you know why maybe Loom's kind of put his head up all of a sudden because he maybe expects Tom McIntyre to be there, but you know, by the time he realizes that he's kind of slightly out of position, it's too late. And. In typical Reading fashion, unfortunately, it, it felt like the collapse was on because it only took them about another two minutes after this to get the second goal. And it felt like that was game over pretty much there here with the second goal going in. Yeah, I mean, again, moment of brilliance, isn't it? I think it takes the slightest deflection off Holmes that ends up putting it right in the corner. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it took a deflection or not, but I mean, I think even if it didn't, the fact that Holmes has gone for it has meant that Lumley hasn't moved. Until yeah, he's not. It's not fully sighted, is he? I mean, maybe, again, I don't don't want to get too much into Lumley. Is he good enough? Is he not? It's it's a tough place to go, Old Trafford. It it had some power on it, or at least it looked like it did on the TV. That shot seemed to kind of be hit with with a lot of power from Casemiro. Fred's done a little layoff, and it's just set it up perfectly. No one's aware to the danger from Reading, because no one sprints out to close down Casemiro. It's almost like he's got a kind of free kick shot from there to hit it right into the corner. And yeah, Lumley stretches, but we've seen in other games this season, he's not kind of the best from um, long distance shots, is he? You feel maybe um, if we see our Demi Martinez, that might not have ended up in the bottom corner. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It, it's one of those things, Matt, this season, unfortunately, with, with Reading, where we, we concede and then we concede very quickly afterwards, um, especially in games against teams who are, you know, significantly higher quality than us. We, we do seem to struggle to kind of shut up shop once we've conceded that first goal. We we do. I think last night, I think because I, I think it's a bit harsh to maybe kind of bring out last night as like a hallmark of the season because I mean it's it takes it, it takes a sizable deflection off Holmes which puts it literally right in the corner it's it's like and to kind of like you know like maybe you could say we rode our luck in the in in the first half you know and then that kind of got repaid with with you know that 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 goal there but you know like you, you're playing Manchester United away right you know I guess 
if you're Paul Lynch, you say, if you do go 1-0, just make sure you're solid, stay in the game. And the minute that second goal goes in, you're out of the game. You know, so by hook or by crook, you know, you've got to, you've got to work out some way to not get to that point, right? Like, but I think, you know, if, 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 if Holmes doesn't try and stick his head on that, you know, it's going straight towards Lumley and it's probably an easy save for him. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the fact that, you know, Holmes is, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to knock it away with his head and he's just, you know, put it as perfectly kind of into the corner for Casemiro as, you know, it could have possibly been. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's it, disappointing, um, you know, because like I say, once it's 2-0, you're out of the it's game at that gonna point. Be, it's always going to be very difficult. It's difficult at 1-0 and 2-0 is, yeah, just obviously, obviously it's twice as hard. Um, we get to, we get to the, at the hour mark and the next five minutes were pretty much the Andy Carroll show, unfortunately, here. Uh, not in a good way, Matt, because this red card, like, it's so frustrating to watch this, this happen because it feels like Andy Carroll has played this way quite a lot this season. And I think he, I think he gets away with it in the championship, maybe because the players aren't as quick. Um, however, against Manchester United, he's been caught with one pretty bad tackle for the first yellow card, which he kind of just bundles into somebody. Um, I think it's Malasha that he mentioned. And then the second yellow, he is just, he's about 10 seconds late on his tackle. Um, Joby McEnough afterwards kind of laid into him on ITV a little bit, saying he just he, he can't be bundling around the field as he is, being that he's one of the you know senior professionals in the team and he should he should kind of know better. And I think looking at the reaction from Reading fans after the game is there was a lot of frustration with Andy Carroll, A for getting sent off and B because actually I think afterwards we did appear that we had a bit more of a game plan once he wasn't on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of the frustration comes from he's or he should be one of the most experienced players, right? You know, he's been there at the top level. He's probably the one in the team that, you know, has done the most at the top level. You know, we've got players, you know, like Scott Dan, Andy Carroll, Shane Long that have all played in the Premier League, Jeff Hendrick as well. But, you know, Andy Carroll has been there. FA Cup semi-finals, finals, played for Liverpool, you know, West Ham, Newcastle, played for England. Yeah, like like so. Yeah, so, so, so it's like to have someone of that caliber to do something, you know, as stupid as that. Like, I mean, I, 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 I haven't seen the first, the first yellow back. I thought, I, I, I've only seen the first one in person, um, and it seemed, it seemed very harsh because, well, because certainly in the ground, I it might was be an wrong. accumulation because he would already, he'd already made two or three challenges, I think, by that uh, point. Okay, yeah. Uh, Even before was... that one, he did a challenge which was almost like a kind of scissor one where both yeah, feet yeah, were I off was... the floor. And I was, I was amazed that, that wasn't because that looked like a kind of orange card of in between a yellow and a red, and he didn't get anything for yeah. that. So I think when he because he it was very late on Malassia if you watch it back, and he's I think the rest just said to him, Look, I've got to book you. You've done a few yeah. in the first half and now a couple in the second. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, like I I think it was on Ericsson as well. That that's his mm. tackle. Um like I remember seeing it in person thinking, oh, you know, like like, like the, the 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 first thought I had was a bit you know, he should, he's 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 been lucky there to get away with the yellow. So, you know, like you might say that, you know, oh the the, the first yellow he got was harsh, but he probably, you know, he could have got, you know, a, a yellow somewhere else. And then once you're on a yellow, going in the way he did, because uh, who, who did was it Malasia again that he went it, in on? Casemiro. Oh, Cas- Casemiro. Going in like that on a yellow card. I mean, it's just... Uh, like I, I just cannot 
for one second understand you know why on earth you would do that it's just it's it's crazy it's laughable to be honest to go it, in it very much looked like the red the red mist had descended on him literally yeah and wh- wh- whether it's frustration of you know like maybe you know he's come back to a ground like old trafford remembers you know the level that he was playing at and you know like without you know being disrespectful to reading you know playing in the championship now you know trying to prove yourself you know again like whether it's that but i mean you gotta you gotta have more more about yourself and like i i think to be honest i mean i you know, I think Andy Carroll being Andy Carroll, he no one would be more frustrated than himself there. So, it, like he he would have known walking off that pitch that he's been an absolute idiot there. You know. So two more points, I guess, on the Andy Carroll red card because I think we can all agree it was pretty stupid from him. He knows it, it. He'll know it was a bad bad decision from him for the for the second yellow card. He didn't. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna be blaming anybody else for that. But I think there's two two more things that we can quickly discuss. One, Hugh, once. Andy Carroll does pick up that first yellow card. Inch should take him off, right? A hundred percent, because like I said, he, he'd done other challenges. It wasn't like that was the first tackle and then all of a sudden he's getting a yellow out of nowhere. Ince immediately has got to either take him off or at least pull him for a chat to say, look, calm it down. You need to, we need you on the pitch and we need you for Watford next weekend. And, I mean, I said earlier, you've got Mate and Long on the bench. We're not talking about kind of like bringing on, say, a Jamari Clark or Kelvin up front at Old Trafford. We have senior options. And and Carolyn Jow wasn't working anyway, so no one would have blamed him for bringing on Mate at all in that, in that instance. I think it's... I think the yellow card is kind of irrelevant kind of in in the kind of take him off. I think all it does is compound kind of what it should have done. Because, like, as you say, Hugh, there... It like it hadn't worked up to that point, and by that point you're two 0 down. So like like yellow like card, surely the yellow you've got card to... he got, Matt. I think the yellow card he got is pretty much the the last not the last straw, but it's like the last thing which means that it definitely yeah. should have taken him off. By no, that no, point it, well, yeah, no, like, and I think kind of that at that point, you know, you've got to. It, it, you, you, You've just got to think, right, so something like needs to change. I know Ince has kind of been very consistent with Carol is normally the one that stays on. Whoever's playing with him is usually the one that comes off, whether it's Zhao, whether it's Mate, whether it's Long. You know, Carol is the one that always stays on if he starts. But kind of at that point, you know, you've got to change something in the in, in the game. It wasn't working up top, you know, and now you've also got, you know, a player who's kind of bundled himself about a bit. Yes, you could make the argument that, you know, if you're Ince, you don't expect Carroll to then, you know, have the red mist descend like it did. But at the same point, you know, you've got to do something at that point to try and change the game, try and swing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 100%. And I think the, so the the second point, which we can kind of quickly discuss here about, about this Carroll red card is I think it was pretty widely accepted that after Carroll came off or got sent off, we, we did look better going forwards. We did seem to play in inverted commas, play a bit more football. Uh, does this translate Matt over to league games going forwards? Will Carroll come straight back in after his suspension? Because the comments from Ince after the game didn't it didn't really appear to blame Carroll for the red card. He very much blamed the referee, which I was it was a bit disappointing because I felt like the referee had no choice but to send him off. Yeah, I like I think you know. Let's let let's be honest. Very few managers come out after a red card and actually blame blame the player. Let's be honest. Like it's it's rare for a manager ever to do that. So and and kind of 
as as we kind of said like you know the 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 i think he he's focused on the first one hasn't he where he's he he, he didn't quite agree that one was a yellow but as we said there was a few others that could have been um it's interesting because once 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 he comes off we we play almost a bit more to a player like Zhao's strength and at that point Zhao's been taken off for long like i didn't really i would have thought you know like at that point i know you've, you you you're down to 10 but it's like if you're if you're chasing the game in that moment i didn't really see what what the point of taking Zhao off was like i would have i would have rather just seen us take off one of our defenders and bring off um and bring on um long at that point because then switch to a four at the back like i i guess some might say well it could have ended up four or five nil then if you did that but it's it's weird that once once he goes off we play more to to someone like Zhao's strengths but then Zhao comes off so quickly you know if if we play like that more and maybe Zhao will start next week and you know if we can play like that you know we might actually see a good performance from Zhao because you know we're we're playing it down the channels playing it along along the ground into into the box to to Zhao there was one good chance as well that came later on which I think then fell to Fauna you know if that falls to Zhao you know that's 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 I think it would have been three two at that point but yeah, you know, whether it translates into league games, I'm going to be honest, I don't think so, because I think Carroll is very much Ince's number one striker um, because he he's the best fit for his style of football. You know, it might not like, you know, we might not like it as fans, but I think, yeah. I'd be interested to hear your guys. Tragic, sorry. Um, feel yeah, like no. <laughs> I feel like I'm what's the word. Maybe I'm repeating myself because I feel like I've said this numerous times on this podcast, but yeah, I just... Please stop starting Andy Carroll. Please, I, I, it's just so. It's so. He's not your favourite, is he? TT, but it's just so. <laughs> it's so planless and aimless. Like yeah, but yeah, but let, yeah, but let's 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 be honest. Do you expect him to do any different? Because like whether no. or not I think that he like I'm not saying that I think he should keep starting. I just think that Ince isn't going to replace him. Yeah, I think I agree. Unfortunately. Mm. And, and Ince Jr. played a lot better with Carroll not on the pitch. We suddenly started giving it to his feet and he'd have a run at the big uh, the defenders. And I think Malassia got booked for a challenge on Ince. And it was like, mm-hmm. where was this in the first half? Just Because I, I personally feel Ince's best position is between the midfield and attack. Like If you've got yeah, number 10. a back five, you don't then need three defensive-minded midfielders on the pitch. If you've got Lumen Hendrick... Let Ince just kind of say to Tom Ince, you've got a free role. Just drift about where you want and pick up the ball. And he drove at the United defence. And I'd love to see more of that in the championship because he'd terrify championship defenders with his kind of trickery doing that. We've we've mentioned it a few times, like about about the the kind of flat midfield that sometimes get gets played because mm-hmm. with with with, with Loom with Fauna with Hendrick you've got very little creativity there you've got you know some some running in Fauna and and um, Hendrick but you've not really got much quality there to start progressing the play start playing it between the lines and that which you know which maybe this chat from Chelsea who's been rumored to us will will help help us do but you know when you're playing that flat three you know of those three players it's you're limiting yourself so much and kind of ints his best very blunt. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. You know, and then that forces you to, you know, play it out to the wing back or play it long to, to you know, a Carroll or a Long or a Zhao up top, you know, to then win the knock on. And, you know, if you can't progress the ball through that midfield, which we can't, you know, you've almost got three players that are trying to do the same job. And none of that job is actually helping you progress the ball going forwards. 
you know, like I do think Inter knows that there's a there's there's a problem in that midfield because you know he's been very open about his want to you know sign one or two midfielders, you know, limited, in the by, the, limited by the players I think, but not necessarily helping himself either is probably yeah. the way I would look at it. No, I'd let's move, let's move on from from the red card incident. We'll move forward like literally a whole minute within the game. It's taken us however long to discuss it, but we'll move forward by one minute because. A minute after the red card, Hugh, Man United get the third goal. And this, I mean, I know I've said it's game over, but this at this point, you, you think... It crap. really is. Yeah, yeah, you think, shit, if, if we've conceded three and we've still got over 25 minutes to go, please mm. don't lose by five or six because don't really want to sit here and watch us concede three mm. more goals. But this is a, a quick corner and Reading have sort of switched off, I think, for the quick corner. Yeah. And like like we've said with the other goals, all it, all it takes that split second to switch off against a Man United and you get punished. I, I, I would disagree on this one, Matt, but I thought it was a brilliant finish from Fred and it comes so quickly at Lumley. I don't think there's too much he can do. I think if he had got there with his feet, it would have been quite a lucky save, if anything, because it just seemed to whiz through him and into the back of the net. I think when you get those, you don't expect a flick like that to come at you. And even when it does in the championship. I remember Danny Loder scoring one like that for us in the FA Cup against Blackpool. It seemed to take an absolute eternity to roll into the bottom corner. I don't know if you guys remember, but the Blackpool keeper almost looked like he was crawling after it. Um, But this one just seemed to absolutely like whiz through Lumley's legs, 3-0. And at that point, I was... Well, I was glad I at least had half my pint left because it meant I didn't just leave and go home on the 75 minutes. I... Yeah, I don't want to um, dwell on it too much because I think I've made my, I've set my stall out about Lumley. I just, yeah, he's been beaten at the near post. He's got a hand to it and he's let it go through him. I think it's just dreadful goalkeeping from Lumley. But we'll I mean, move on. I've I, yeah, I have had plenty we'll, of time to we'll say my on. piece. We'll move on. Lanzi <laughs> doesn't need to say his piece about Lumley again. I'll be uh, like a broken record. Let's move on because there was one. The, well, actually, we'll move on to the. the you know, the, the great moment of the night, I guess. Good, better moment of the night, Lanzi. Um, Mbengue coming on, getting some game time. Looked good when he came on, firstly. But then also, I think this is his second... I want to say this is his second goal for the club, isn't it, Mbengue? Yeah. It is, um, yeah. You know, getting a goal at Man United. Decent, right? Decent corner. Good good, good, um, good header. I mean, I think it's pretty bad defending from Man United because Mbengue just finds himself in yards of space just seems ridiculous how much space he had um but he puts it past David De Gea no problem it's it's a really it's a really good header and I mean for for you know one of the smaller centre-backs you'll see you know on a on a field I mean he's now scored two two headers from from corners in his time you know um I mean it's 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 a great run like you say very questionable defending from United because he's he's found himself in acres of space. I don't really know who it is who's meant to be tracking him but wherever he is I mean I seemingly off Casemiro. Yeah. Uh no no Casemiro was off at that point. Oh no maybe not then. Yeah no like like whoever it was I mean I think he was halfway to the Etihad you know but but by the time the um uh the uh and Bengue heads in, but I mean, it's 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 a great moment, you know. Like I think everyone who went up wanted to see a score, wanted to see a good account of ourselves. You know, they, they most of the players haven't embarrassed themselves last night. We've seen a goal, and I think you know, I mean, when Mbengue came on, I mean, uh, I think it just really shows we've got to stop playing Yedem at centre back and start playing Mbengue there because Mbengue gives a point. I was about to come on to. So well, yeah, like. 
because because like the goal the goal was good it was a brilliant moment and for someone who's obviously 21 now and Benge you know a really good moment for him but kind of the whole point about about Mbenge starting like because if you if you play if you start playing Mbenge you can move Yedon back out to to right wing back play him in his natural position don't play him at centre back because Yedon probably has had a bit of a lull this season been probably slightly under the radar be with how bad he's been let's let's be honest about that but he's playing out of position and if you start playing Yedon at right right wing back like and again this isn't criticizing Hoylet because Hoylet's been quite good there. But it then frees you up to either play Hoylet further forward, which is probably his natural position. When he goes forward, he looks good. You know, we yeah, saw him playing at number 10 last season. Squad right here. I don't it, think you can, can, though, with either of those anymore. I don't think Yedon's got enough pace or about him to... Not in a five at the back where you don't then have any wide players in front. I don't think he offers enough. And likewise with Hoylet, I don't... I wouldn't like the idea of, say, I know people have suggested like a 4-3-3... Hoylet's attacking output isn't good enough to play him as a winger in a front three. He's not going to pick up enough goals and assists. I think they're kind of in the right positions for their careers now. I will agree. I think if you play Hoylet further forwards, he needs 40 crosses to be able to register an assist. Unfortunately, his crossing ability is not that good. And as seen yesterday, his finishing is questionable. Um I would personally do it just for the basis that having in Bengue at centre back gives you so much more pace in that back three. Which it is gives you pace. It gives you, you something different. It, it like like and in in Championship defenses as well. Like because I think that there was a brilliant piece of tracking back which he did against. Um, is it Ganacho? I think his name was. It's, it's, his name is for United. Like he's got bags of pace and bags of quality. You know, he's probably one of United's most promising youngsters. But the way he tracks back and is able to put in. You know, a really good. Well, actually, I'm not even sure if he puts in a block, but he just holds him up brilliantly, and that's all because of his pace. If you've got Yeardom there, he's beaten. If you put, you know, McIntyre there, whoever it is, Holmes, you know, they're beaten on pace. And Benge's pace is frightening, and for a centre back, you know, to have that in a three at the back system, and he's actually really good with the ball at his feet. There was one time as well towards the end where he had the ball at his feet and he zipped it out to to the right and took out a couple of United players. And that's the bit of quality that you need in your centre-backs to start an attack going forward. So I think it ends, uh, it might have ended up with Ince or um, uh, on, on, on the right, I think. But it's just that ability to just zip a ball out, you know, and I just, I really hope we see more of him I, I think it just gives you. I think it gives you more options in the rest of the squad if you play in Benguet centre-back. And I don't necessarily, I kind of agree with you, I don't necessarily think Yeardom is... is a long-term answer for right wing back because I do think that he's he is not that good going forwards necessarily. Um but also I think if you've got in Ben at centre back it just it releases the rest of your squad so much because you can stop playing Hoyler at right wing back where he's not necessarily like he's fine but I don't think he's that good defensively particularly. Um, it's it's less it, square pegs in round holes and I think yeah. that's that's the underlying thing I think about yeah. if you play you play it offers you there. that choice in central midfield not to have to play two defensive midfielders because ultimately you can actually play five actual defenders and not have to rely on uh Hoyler and Baba Rahman to be you know going forwards to offer you all the option because you can play two attacking midfielders rather than rather than one um so I think it just gives you a bit more choice as to what how you want to set games up if you play in Ben Wetz and Tamak uh so it would be uh, from my perspective, it would be nice to see him getting a bit more game time, especially from the start of games. Mm. 
Let I think it's a shame about the Birmingham game, isn't it? Because it just feels like since then, Ince has drawn a line under him and said, that's it, he's out the team. And it, he almost forgets that it's like before the Birmingham game, he was solid against Coventry, solid at Hull. Um, I watched him at Luton. I went for Luton game. He was brilliant that day. I know he could have given away a penalty, but still he was part of the team that kept a clean sheet away at Luton. Like, he's, he's a good player and he's raw. He's got... It is, one of, it is one of the hallmarks of Ince, though, is that when a player has a poor game or makes a mistake, which ultimately costs a goal, that player can be sidelined for three, four, five games, which is why, ultimately, why we see players like Hendrick, I think, starting every game, because he doesn't make mistakes, but he doesn't do anything either, so he doesn't, he's never going to get, you know, abandoned from the team because he doesn't make those mistakes which cost goals unfortunately um there's one more moment i wanted to discuss from last night before we end this it's just a quick one the substitutions matt for bazanis coming on for Lundin. oh come on let's just come discuss on, it on, for two on. seconds because it's a it's, a, oh, it's, it doesn't... it's an odd thing right it's odd it's weird it's it's odd but why are so many people making such a big thing about this i like i i personally and i know again we've disagreed on this um i i what is everyone seeing that is so kind of bad about this like you're three nil down like it's it's just player management it's like when he brings on craig um craig we've not seen craig all season and yet he's brought him on are we going to talk about craig coming on you know like like, like he's just rotating his players and i think that like the reason that ince gave after the game you know because bizanis he played well against against watford he's kind of well actually hull he was there was a couple of moments against hull where he was very shaky but like you know, it's, it's, it's just player management at the end of the day. You know, like like you're you three, I think we were, was it 3-1 we three three down at the time? Or oh, was it 3-1 when, when he came on? Like, I mean, it's so my, not that big of a deal. So my issue is that with it is Ince basically came out and said the game is already done by that point, which, you know, fair enough. 98% of the time, yes, the game is over. However, we did get a chance at, what, like 82 minutes from Fauna. If Fauna sticks that away and it goes to 3-2... And you've now used all five subs because you've decided to sub the goalkeeper on out of sympathy. People would have been screaming, oh, bring Mate on, bring Aziz on, like try and go for the equaliser. And we can't because we've brought Bazanis on because he felt sorry for him. Like, I get it. No, I get it. Like, I do. I, I, I get that point. Uh, like, I, I do. I do get that. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't be. Yeah. You can't play for player management, but then also just. Except it just seemed classic Paul Ince, didn't it? I can't think of yeah. another manager we'd have who on 75 minutes would go, oh, crap, I played Bazanis in the last game. Like, I should probably let him have a few minutes here at Old Trafford. Like, I just, it just baffled me seeing him suddenly on the touchline. I think that's why it's so talked about. Because, yeah, like you said, Craig comes on, no one makes a fuss of it. But when you see a goalkeeper on the touchline, you immediately it's just one of those think, odd ones, what on earth yeah. is this about, then? Yeah. Yeah, no, like, like I mean, I like when I when I saw him when I saw him warming up, I did kind of think, or like when I saw him strip strip his um his his training top off, and I was like, "That's Bazanis down there. He's bringing Bazanis on." Like, like, it, like it did. Like, I did question it, but yeah, like I, I get, I do get your point, Alex, about kind of you know if if we got that if we got a second, you know, you then got a chance, but obviously, I'm talking long shots here, right? It's, yeah, it's it's team of things. Bazanis coming on, it's not a big deal, but it does. It, it just comes across a bit tin pot, like me. 
Oh, oh come on, all. come on. Let's oh, let's God. not use the T word on this podcast. I do come agree on. with what Alex was saying, though, as well, because they did they made a lot of changes, United, and they looked a lot weaker in the last 20 minutes. Maybe it's because they were playing free they brought football. Yeah, they brought on the Gonna- I mean Garnacho is good, but there was a strike. I can't remember his name now, but he was wearing number 73 for striker they brought on. And they weren't offering anything. And like you said about the fauna chance and Ince was getting in behind, we were getting a few free kicks. And you are thinking, well, if he'd taken one of the centre-backs off for Mate and just gone for it with United now having the line-up we all hoped they'd start with, maybe, just maybe something could have happened. What, what, what I'll say, I think the problem with the substitution, I think, stems that when he brings Zhao off for long. Because I think if you're going if, 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 if to go for it, you you keep Zhao on at that point and you take off a centre back at that point. Once that substitution goes and you're kind of down to your final three, you know, and like I think to be honest, like if you wanted to go for it, you you could say, like, well, don't bring on Craig, you know, because like because he's 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 a youngster. You could have you you could have taken off, you know, Hendrick who came on who came on for Craig. You know, so so you can look at either of them, I think, or like any of them. And I think realistically more weird substitutions. Yeah. And they're just all weird substitutions. It's just another Paul Ince weird substitution game, unfortunately. Um, yeah, overall, 3-1. I don't think we disgraced ourselves, but it definitely shows up our limitations. I think that's probably the the kind of crux of yesterday, really. Yeah, I think I think Paul Ince will feel vindicated on the fact that, you know, when when, when he's been saying earlier in the season about, uh, yeah, let, let's not get carried away with uh, playoffs or promotion hopes when we were top of the league. It was fun whilst it lasted, but um, yeah, like I'm not sure that if we were to hit the promised land with this squad, we we would do all too well. And then next week, we're back to league football. Watford at home here next week. Um, we obviously played Watford last month, and mm. I'm expecting a bit of a different game in the league next weekend. Yeah, they've, they've made quite a few signings, I've noticed, in the last... I know they had a massive injury crisis. It'll be interesting to see how they make a 25-man squad at the end of January to... Um, actually fit in with the quota on players allowed but I'm hoping João Pedro is still going to be out for the game which gives us a bit of a chance but and they do they seem to kind of completely swing between brilliant and awful Watford so hopefully we just catch them on an awful day and we try a new front pairing because we won't have Carol up top and it works and then we get to kind of see them and then Carol doesn't actually get back into the team until we get bad at Sunderland and then he reverts to type. <laughs> Zhao and Long. Let's see let's see Zhao and Long. I'd I'd like long, to see that. I've I wanted long to see and it for Lots of running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I think I think it we we, we can put many. I'm just gonna throw another one out there. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. Who knows, Scott who knows, Dan but... up top, he scores goals. Yeah, who knows who's, <laughs> who's, who knows who's gonna start up front next week. It could be anybody. It's gonna be ins ins roulette. Um, the like with uh, David James back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> score, score prediction, Matt. Very oh, fast. It's 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 a big game. We need to get a result. You know, I think if we if we can get a draw, I think I'll be I'll be quite happy because Watford are in good form. But I mean, we need to find a, a way to win at some point because we're on a bit of a barren run. Um, I'm gonna go one-one though. Hugh. I'm going to go for a defeat because I think Watford took a bit of a battering at Middlesbrough yesterday, so I think we'll be. Looking to bounce back, so I'm going to go two one Watford. I think I'm going to go one nil Watford next week, but the three games after that are the more important ones because we've got Cardiff, Sunderland, and Rotherham. Those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Blackpool after that, I think as well. So 
four big games straight after that, um, which we need some points. But yes, we'll come on to those when we get a bit closer to the time. We'll be back with a preview of the Watford game during the week. And we'll be back after the Watford game with a roundup. If you've managed to listen right to the very end of this extremely long review of our FA Cup tie against Man United, thank you very much. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, hit five stars on whichever podcast provider you've downloaded it on today. Drop us a review, all appreciated. Uh, we will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you very much.